Hi, this is Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of A to Z of Detoxing, the ultimate guide to reducing our toxic exposures, and host of this practical non-toxic living podcast. Welcome. Have you thought about the radiation from your laptops, cordless phones, Wi-Fi routers, wireless speakers, gaming consoles, and earphones? Are you overwhelmed by the topic and don't know where to start? Well, it's an important thing to think about, especially with more of us more dependent on technology than ever. In this podcast, you'll hear a friendly conversation between two informed, down-to-earth moms talk about how we started detoxing EMFs in our homes and with our families. Hopefully, it invites you into the topic. If you're not familiar with the term EMF, it stands for electromagnetic fields, which is really just energy or radiation. In this episode, I talk with Theodora Scarato, Executive Director of the Environmental Health Trust, which is an important scientific think tank that filed a lawsuit against the FCC earlier this year, along with another major nonprofit, the Children's Health Defense, which is led by its chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. These two nonprofit organizations are urging the FCC to update its wireless regulations to incorporate what science has proven about how our average wireless exposures influence human development, reproductive outcomes, our brain health, and more. These nonprofits, which include world-renowned scientists as well as others that are named as plaintiffs in these lawsuits, claim that the FCC standards are based on an understanding that is 24 years old. To learn more about what the science has learned, listen to Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast, Episode 24, with the founder of the Environmental Health Trust, Dr. Deborah Davis. At the end, you'll hear Dr. Davis's simple tips to protect yourself. You really should listen to it. In this podcast, I speak to Theodora Scarato, who works closely with Dr. Davis. As you'll hear in the beginning, this conversation was scheduled to include Dr. Davis, but it ended up being just Theodora and I. What I love about this conversation is that you'll hear us two moms talk about our journeys, which hopefully will bring comfort to those who have been trying to detox EMFs from their homes or are hoping to start. Avoiding EMFs is challenging, so it can be comforting to hear about the experience of others, and I think ours is very relatable. Also, please be aware of an excellent resource, which is my new EMF Detox Workbook, which includes checklists to recover from electromagnetic exposure. It lays out many simple things you can do to create recovery periods from EMF exposure. This can optimize your body's opportunity to be resilient. There are also pages for you to take notes from other resources, such as episodes from the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast or the Environmental Health Trust website, so that all your EMF information is in this one workbook. The EMF Detox Workbook was also reviewed by Dr. Deborah Davis as well as Theodora Scarato because we are each passionate about empowering you. Dr. Davis said this about the EMF Detox Workbook. Sophia Ruan Goucher's EMF Detox Workbook has done the world a great favor by providing an invaluable resource. Detailing how to enjoy technology and stay safer, this guide provides clear, compelling, concise, and practical strategies to avoid or lessen exposures. 
buy, use, and share this workbook with your family, friends, colleagues, and schools. They will thank you. You can check out this EMF Detox workbook on Amazon worldwide. Theodora Scarado. More people should know about her and the important work of the Environmental Health Trust. They are science-based advocates of public health and of our most vulnerable, which include the youngest among us and their future. With a background in social work, Theodora does many things at the Environmental Health Trust. She's lead policy analyst and researcher for the Environmental Health Trust database on international actions, including the protective policies that more than 20 nations have implemented to reduce public exposure to cell phones and wireless radiation. This is the most comprehensive collection of information on policy actions on cell phones and wireless. Theodora previously worked with the Environmental Health Trust as Director of Educational Resources and Public Affairs, developing educational resources for communities and governments. She has co-founded several organizations, both locally and nationally, that address environmental health and safety concerns. As a practicing clinical psychotherapist, her two decades of work with children and adolescents include directing an intensive special education therapy program in Montgomery County Schools and working as a psychotherapist at an ADHD clinic. Her research interests include not only the effects of radiation exposure, but also the social-emotional effects of technology overuse. In this podcast, which was recorded in April 2019, I loved hearing how Theodora, especially as a mom, applies what she knows about EMFs into her life. Because after you figure out what to do to reduce EMF exposure, applying it into real life is a different challenge. You can hear a lot of Theodora's practical tips at the end of the podcast, and remember that you can watch this video interview in the podcast show notes at www.nontoxicliving.tips. In this video, you can sometimes see what Theodora is talking about. In addition, you'll hear us talk about the social-emotional issues that can be improved from EMF mindfulness. I hope you find our conversation helpful. Again, if you want to watch this video interview and see podcast show notes, including relevant links, they are available on my website at www.nontoxicliving.tips. Receive easy reminders to this important information and more by registering for my newsletter by texting the word DETOX spelled D-E-T-O-X to the number 66866. Once again, Text the word DETOX spelled D-E-T-O-X to the number 66866. Now on with the show. So since it's just the two of us, are there certain areas you would really like to cover? Starting out with what we know about cell phones and wireless and talking about practical ways to reduce exposure, like how I, my journey, because it wasn't like a yeah. You know, you change everything and, and you've cleared all the electromagnetic fields out. It doesn't work that way. It's a it's a journey. You know, you start one place, you there's so many changes I make I wish I'd done sooner. We think that with so many things, right? I remember when I got rid of all the plastic mm-hmm. and I was like, Why didn't I do that sooner? It was so easy, you know, just yeah. swap it out. Let's use stainless steel and glass. It was like that. It's like all the other environmental things that we can change in our home, and they're so important. But then to talk about 
the policy changes, which really are the meaningful changes that we need. Because when my kids were younger, it was really easy to make a lot of changes and to change environments and to make decisions. But as they get older, and I have two teenagers, here I am, two teenagers, one about to go to college. And I'm like, oh, I thought I would have fixed it by now. I started seven years ago. And I thought, I'm going to fix this by the time my kids get to college. That Actually, my goal was high school, but then it changed. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it was so easy. I, like you, I didn't know what to believe. I was very, very skeptical. And actually, that's why I read so much and delved into this issue. Because I just, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it didn't seem that it was safe. And then these people who were saying that they were health issues, I was like, but surely they wouldn't have put it on the shelf if, if they were these big problems. But yet I kept reading all these studies showing uh, effects. And I thought, you know, maybe one study is one thing. But I had my yellow highlighter and I was with PubMed and I said, I have this many studies showing harm. What's going on here? It just made perfect sense to me to, to reduce exposure. Just to tell you a few of the things I've done. With Environmental Health Trust, I work on the database of policy because when I started out, people responded to me saying, what? Wi-Fi? Uh, you know, your laptop? What could be wrong with your laptop or the phone? And then I looked at what other countries were doing and I thought, wait a minute. Other countries are already here and also in the United States. I mean, I didn't know that in Berkeley there was so much work being done. I mean, for years, they have a cell phone ordinance that passed in 215, but they've been working on that for years. San Francisco passed a right to know law back in, in 210. And then I'm reading about in other cities what's happening, and I it was eye-opening. So one of my things I've done is compile that for people. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful. I noticed there are patterns of behavior when you look back in history. And for example, the, the one big chemical I focused on early on was BPA. In 2007, I was trying to understand, is this safe or is it not safe? The FDA says it's safe as it's currently used, but yet I've read there are over 800 studies that show all these concerns, especially the younger the life exposure. And so when I started to look outside the United States and see that governments outside the United States had different reactions, I thought, oh, that just makes sense given what I know. And then I learned about the business strategies that big tobacco pursued and that were very successful for tobacco to intentionally create confusion through different ways because that delays regulation and then realize in Devra's book Disconnect that the telecom industry has also implemented those industries as well as others and so when the public is confused and when the doctors are confused that's a result also of an intentional strategy because it's noisy out there. Some experts say things are safe and fine, and, and yet this, there are other scientists who say, no, we should take precautionary measures. With radiation also, yes, it's interesting how, I think it was in one of the videos on the Environmental Health Trust website that showed a graph of the 
maximum level allowed of radiation and the US allows the most right up there with Japan. And mm -hmm. so it's really great for people to take a global look at yeah. different reactions. I mean, it's shocking. We are among the countries that allow the most radiation in the environment. Like if, if there's a cell tower near your home and you call someone up and say, I'm worried about that tower, come measure it. Is this safe? Is this meeting our government regulations? And someone comes out with a meter and they measure it and then they compare it to the limit that's allowable for the public. And usually it's compliant when you're down on the ground because the, our allowable limits are so high. And yet it's not that they're 10 times higher than where they found effects. I mean, I'm talking about 10,000 times higher, more than that, actually. So when people say, well, it's very low radiation to a lot of things, it's not low to our cells at the cellular level. And you can just think about BPA, right? BPA, they found dose does not make the poison. Even low levels can have effects if you're affecting hormones and these chemical processes and things that also prenatally, prenatal exposure and early life exposures can have more effects than later in life. I mean, none of that is a part of how our government set these limits 20 years ago uh, when they, they basically, the, def the EPA was defunded and we adopted limits based on industry military groups definitions of allowable levels. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of lessons in history about times when like the doctor who realized that you need to wash your hands when he first came out with that and, and until he died, they called him crazy and that can't be and doctors were offended. I, How I could you say? Actually, the, the doctor speaking out for hand washing before delivering a baby, I think he was put in an in insane asylum for a while. He was and he died there. Yeah. And yeah. at the end, he was writing letters all the time. I mean, can you imagine real, realizing that you could save all these people and no one listens to you? I read one book where it was like he was writing letters. He was like, you've got this. This has to stop. This is harm. People are dying. Women are dying. And doctors, they were offended that anyone would think that there was anything on their hands. I mean, they couldn't see anything on their hands. The germ had not been discovered. And that's one of many. <laughs> yes, I've become very interested in behavioral change. And you, we look back, there's so many examples of how long it's taken the world or authorities to acknowledge a new discovery, like the world is not flat. <laughs> there's still people who believe the world is flat. Um, and there's so many other examples and including the hand washing example. And it helped me a lot when the there's a new dean at the School of Public Health at Brown University, Bess Marcus, and she did a lot of research on behavioral change and was really involved in the 70s and working with physicians to train them to try and get their patients to stop smoking. And she found that doctors would get so demoralized and would say, I keep telling my patients the, the harmful effects of cigarette smoking, but they don't listen to me, so why should I even try? And she said, the research shows that people have to hear a message on average seven times before they'll change. And mm -hmm. if you have to be among that voice of seven, for some you'll be the seventh and for others you won't be. And that helped me so much because mm -hmm. when you're someone who's trying to help 
and you feel ignored, it helps to realize, oh, you just have to be among the voices that might help someone change. And, and you never know when, and that's why I like trying to communicate in a way where people can share their personal stories of what made them go, ah, like, okay, I'm going to try because it'll resonate with some of the people listening. You never know which stories it'll be. With radiation, it's, it's invisible. So it, that made it even harder for me. Yeah, It's taken me a long time to realize, oh, there's a spectrum, there's an electromagnetic spectrum, and there's like all these different characteristics <laughs> within the spectrum, right? And mm-hmm. so for a long time, we knew that a section of waves from the spectrum called, caused thermal effects, and those were studied. And more recently, scientists have realized, oh, but there are non-thermal effects. And it just helped me to, after looking at a few graphs over the years of on the, on the electromagnetic spectrum where different household appliances fall on the spectrum, like your microwave oven, your cordless phone, your wireless printer, blah, 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 it goes on. When I was trying to understand 5G, I realized, oh, it's, okay, so before 5G, like 2G, 3G, 4G, they were utilizing these waves of the spectrum that are unprecedented. We've never lived with so much artificial energy waves before. And now layered on top of that, we have 5G emitting new waves. So there's just this chaos of, well, there's just more energy in in our environment than ever before. And how those waves affect our biology, Mm -hmm. we couldn't possibly understand now. Can you speak to that a bit? What I thought was interesting was one time I saw, and and Dr. Davis was probably talking about the pulsating energy Uh and it kind of pecking on your cells in a different way than like the longer wave waves. But I think, The point I'm trying to make to your average listener is just trying to paint a portrait of all these different kinds of energy that it's like a chronic assault on our biology. I think it's hard to to say as a fact and it's hard to hear that like something will cause cancer. But when reality, they're contributing factors, right? Like there's genetics, there's stress, there's diet, there's sleep quality. And so you're just layering on stress by like filling your home with a lot of wireless technologies. And so it's just like more and more stress on your body. And so the point is we just wanna unburden for your body what it doesn't really need. And sometimes it's worth it. Like sometimes it's worth using your cell phone to make calls, but when it, you don't need it, right? Turn it off. So you raised something that's really important about how there's more and the more we use devices, the more our electromagnetic environment is affected. And there's more every time you have a device in use, it's sending signals. And we have multiple devices usually in one room where we are. And what makes this different than the technology of the past, the current wireless technologies we are, because there's been electromagnetic radiation since humans and were on the planet. And, and there is natural sources of electromagnetic radiation. 
But telecommunications is actually where they take the waves and there's information on the waves and it is pulsed and digital. So it is pulsing. When I just did that, it's far faster than that. It's millisecond, these millisecond high pulses. And depending on what kind of devices you use, there's a different pattern that they have different frequencies that they have. So for example, if you have a laptop on Wi-Fi, that might be one frequency. Your cell phone is another frequency. All of these, the nearby tower will be emitting different multiple frequencies as well. 5G carriers are looking at many different frequencies, but they're going to add in higher frequencies that have never been used before, adding a whole other layer into our environment you know you can't with gas right we put sulfur in it so you can smell it and like you said you can't smell it or see it so it's hard to it's easy to ignore it number one if you hear maybe there might be a problem it's easy to be like i can't handle that right now you know i've got so many things going on in my life and there's my phone um which is and I'm just going to um, turn it off. But just so you can see what I, one of the steps I made. So this is a, a corded phone. So that when I'm, um, and it actually doesn't even use electricity. It just, you plug it in. And when I'm at home, I always use a corded line. Now, if you have a copper line, you want to keep that copper line, but I couldn't even keep a copper line here because they didn't offer it anymore. So I run a line from the uh, from the the fiber optic line that's come into the house that now I have a telephone off of that, but everything's corded. Mm -hmm. I don't have a wireless deck phone, for example. And that was a simple change. Mm -hmm. I got a super long cord mm -hmm. as well so that I can do dishes, I can do laundry um, with the phone. Mm -hmm. And there are times where you might want to walk around the house um, and, you know, you can't if you have a cord. But actually, it's it was a, it was a simple change mm -hmm. that reduced our exposure a lot here. So mm -hmm. actually, when I first learned about this, I got a meter at one point, sort of delved into it, uh, started learning about everything. I got a meter and I had made changes already. I was not using my cell phone as much or I'd use it as, at a distance. And then I walked into my house with the meter, went right up to where my computer was, which was hardwired, no Wi-Fi, And it was going crazy. And I was like, what's going on here? What, what's happening? It was the depth cordless phone. I had no idea that even in all my research, because it's inundating and you're overwhelmed with the whole wireless technology, it, it is a lot. And I, I hadn't caught that, in fact, your home cordless phone base is radiating all the time. I that, found the meter helpful, too, because yeah. it raises awareness to things you wouldn't think of, like televisions, right. you know, the transmitters and yes. televisions or printers. Exactly printers and TVs there and some of them they radiate all the time you have to unplug it or figure out how to turn the antenna off or get another TV which seems like oh no I can't do that right <laughs> but actually you can I mean the things I've done 
now I'm like, gosh, easy, done. How has it been for your teenagers? You know, it's been challenging. I'm not going to say that this has been easy. It's actually been pretty hard. On the other hand, the kids have a phone. They are on the phone all the time, chittering, chattering, like girls do on the telephone. And it's not that they haven't been able to communicate. If they want to communicate by a laptop or some of the things kids do, which I, I could talk about too, like Instacrack or... <laughs> Um, and we do set limits in our home probably more than most, which I think are really important. My kids are talented in so many ways. And because we have limits, which are not necessarily for the radiation, because we don't have, we actually are fully uh, EMF free in the, wireless free in the house. We do not have any wireless technology in the house. But we have a Wi-Fi router? No. no. No, we swapped it out. Wow. So the first thing we did was, Every night I would turn it off. That was my first step. Um, and then when I got the meter and realized how much it was radiating, even when we were using it, I thought, well, let's just figure out a solution. And um, this is like an adapter that we use to plug the computer in. And then we, an ethernet end. So we got a router modem that doesn't have any wireless connectivity and everything is corded and that's how we are in the home so we don't need to use the other other things because we have a computer mm-hmm. that we can connect with and uh you know if people some people say well i really want to have wi-fi which is a choice that they're making and they they can hook it up to the wire to the wife to the modem which is wired and then turn it on when they want and turn it off when they want that's sort of another first step for people yes. so, but they always have a corded connection mm-hmm. when, when you get the corded connection in it takes a little time totally and, and one of the things that's important is companies companies need to step up to the plate here because if you're a mom or a dad and you're like i want to make this change suddenly it's like well how do i find a do why doesn't my company have a router that's that's wired or that has a way to turn it off you'll find it's very hard that becomes challenging and i think the more we just communicate hey this is what we want they're going to give it to us because I'm willing to pay to buy a product that is safe. And uh, I think the market is going to start to shift in that direction because I had to get a whole, I couldn't use my provider's router. I had to get another one. So I, I think we have Verizon and I spent hours with Verizon <laughs> Even with all the settings turned off for the wireless communications, it was still emitting something and we couldn't figure out why. So in that scenario, I have another option. I can use a router that's not a Verizon router. As long as it's compatible. Okay. Did you call up Verizon and get into the settings of your computer to do that? Yes. old router wasn't working. So then Verizon sent a technician and gave us a new router. And I said, you need to disable the Wi-Fi. And so he did. And I took out my meter and I said, but it's still emitting something. <laughs> so mm-hmm. spent hours with people on the phone and the Verizon guy in my apartment. We never figured it out. 
because all the settings turned the Wi-Fi off, but it was still emitting something. And I remembered, oh, my husband as a joke for Christmas gave me like a EMF blocking blanket and like a nightgown. <laughs> so I wrapped the router in the blanket and the, the meter measured lower levels, but not as low as I wanted. And so then I also wrapped it in the nightgown he bought me and then it blocked it. <laughs> Wow. What I've found that is shocking is that, and I have Comcast and went through what you went through and what we're hearing all different companies, same situation. They don't just have the antennas, the Wi-Fi antennas. They actually have even other antennas yeah. in the modem router that are for things that you're not even using and they're emitting all the time. So I ended up like you more hours than you could even believe right. on the phone <laughs> trying to And they don't it know. Out. The people at these telecom companies, they don't even know how to help. I had to go, yeah. I had to go to like tier two. Uh, we ended up getting, that's why we ended up just getting a, a Comcast compatible modem. Okay. So you have to make sure that what you get is compatible with whatever service is coming in. You can't just go and just buy a modem that's okay. wired. Sometimes you can call them up and say, hey, I want to buy I want to buy my own. I don't want to rent from you or and they can give you a list and then use that that and and that's what a lot of people are doing. Okay. So but like it shouldn't be that hard, right? I mean <laughs> how I mean you you know a lot. I, I know so much and yet it's hours, still so hard. I know. It, and so that's something that has to shift, yeah. I think. So I'm a social worker and worked for many years in, in schools and with special ed. And I was director of an intensive therapy program in a school where kids with heavy challenges. And when we knew that the parents had used drugs, the neurological issues, dealing with these neurological issues that they faced, this was something I was very familiar with. So. When I had my highlighter and I was looking at the research and I started seeing the research on brain development, that's when I shifted from, oh, you know, just it more into a more active role of how important this is to address because damaging the brain, that's where I went as my line. Like with cancer, I was sort of like, oh, you know, can that really be? But when you start reading about changes in the brain, that that's what took me to the next step and seeing imaging showing how this radiation is absorbed into the brain and the body was shocking to me. You can go on our website, ehtrust.org and see some of those images. They're not Photoshop. Those are scientific modeling of the intensity of the radiation being absorbed into your brain and body. And I thought, well, Hey, why, why do that when there is a safe, alternative. Those it's, images are so powerful. It's really helpful to see how much more a child absorbs than an adult. Do you think headphones, can they emit radiation? I know you, you want distance between the brain and the cell phone, but can radiation travel also into the ear through the earphones? It can, but much less. Obviously, wireless headphones are going to be radiating right there on your head. But even with wires, what I got is a little, oh gosh, I, the name is slipping me. It's this little piece that you put on the end of it that can stop the electromagnetic radiation from going up if there's a little bit that travels on the wire. On the wire. 
I'll remember the name as we're talking, but that's something that I'll do. But certainly using using a headset, do you mean with a cell phone or just in general? Like Apple yeah. earphones. Yeah. They're, they're uh, wired. They're not wireless. Right. There can be potentially radiation that travels up because metal, yeah, it can travel up the, the metal. So I got this little, I could look it up, but... I'll send it to you. Yes. I'll send you the name of what it is, is these little things that I clip on. Mm -hmm. But the thing about this is if you use the headset Mm -hmm. and you're on a phone, you're still getting radiation from your phone. I mean, the best way is, is wired. If you're going to be using a cell phone, keep it as far away as possible and put it on speaker or air tube. There's air tube headsets that have a tube. There's a wire, but then it goes into a tube so that it can't travel up. So those would be have better. you tried them? Oh yeah, yeah. I tried them. Um, it's it takes a it's different. The sound is different. Yeah. You early on you were a social worker learning more about brain development. And so how did that lead you into the radiation from cell phones? You know, I started learning about the issue and didn't necessarily believe it, but I was researching more and more. And actually my children were in a situation, uh, they were in a fire and I was on the phone with an environmental physician looking into some possible exposures that had happened, which actually didn't because of what was burned. And when I was on the phone, this doctor, I, and by the way, I was on the cell phone in the car driving on the phone with a physician who'd called me. And I said, well, you know, I've been reading about cell phone radiation. What do you think about that? And he said, well, I think you should see what Dr. Deborah Davis at Environmental Health Trust has to say. And I just was in shock because I had gone to the site. I had read what she said, but I just, I just was like, whoa and then i went oh thank you i know her website and i circled back and i started volunteering with environmental health trust many years ago and just got more and more involved raising awareness in my community at the state level uh, in every way because these are my kids this is their future and it's been eye-opening to not only know the science, but what you talked about, which is that the tactics of big tobacco are being used here in cell phones and wireless, only they have mastered the art. I mean, it's even, it's, they got the same PR firms, sometimes the same scientists speaking. For example, there's a scientist who testifies on secondhand smoke, minimizing, downplaying, that as a problem and on cell phones and Wi-Fi. I mean, you can see it, this happening. The Harvard report in 215 that talks about regulatory capture, how our our agencies that are supposed to be watching over and regulating are actually captured agencies because, for example, ex-Verizon lawyers or lobbyists for telecom are in the FCC. Right. And... There's this revolving door between industry and government. Yeah. Right. And if you're in a position in our, in our government, you know, when you retire, a lot of people then take jobs in industry and they are much more high paying jobs 
that they end up taking. So this Harvard report by Norm Alster talks about the revolving door. Of course, now if he were to write it, there's more to say. That was from 215. And things have only gotten more, more murky. So we have a situation where the FDA is saying they reject the findings of NIH study that found clear evidence of cancer. In the meantime, our children are in the middle. While some scientists say, we haven't proven it's not safe, and they're often industry connected, and then you've got independent scientists saying, this is harmful, it's documented, you need to reduce exposure. It's our children. It's our families. We are in the middle of all this. We won't be able to take it back. We won't be able to say, oh, I wish they weren't in school for 12 years using those devices, cell phones and tablets on their laps, and you can't take the exposure back. We can move forward. I mean, I used to put my baby in the ergo carrier and stick the phone right on the back. I feel like one obstacle with parents to learn more is they're afraid to hear what they did wrong. And it is hard. It was hard for me as a parent to learn about things that would lead to a lot of regret. which has made me want to understand resiliency more. And I don't know if you've looked at that much, including with the brain. So if Mm -hmm. there was harm from early life exposures, do you know of much research that proves that brains can be resilient or other parts of our biology, like the heart? Well, I, I mean, from what we know about neurologic research, yes, the brain is resilient and we can, for all the, every day we're exposed to toxic exposures, you know, a, a soup, but we are, our body is always rejuvenating, our DNA is always being repaired. There's no question about that. Do I think that that negates this issue um, in that, well, we don't have to do anything because we can heal? No. But do I think that we can make changes now and our body can strengthen? Absolutely. That's what we're doing. There are many people who've done that, who've had become very ill from exposure with headaches and heart issues and other symptoms. And when they take time to be away from the exposure and strengthen their body, then some people are able to be able to have more exposure than they would have had in the past. Not everyone, but um, I think so. I think everything we do makes a difference. Food, so water. It's never, it's never too late. I mean, it's never too late. Sometimes, sometimes there's damage, but there's always the opportunity to improve your situation, right? So I'm wondering. Yeah. I, I, long time, so many years ago, I don't remember how many years ago, I heard a doctor and researcher talk about looking at whether children who had brain damage from lead exposure early on in their life, whether video games could maybe help repair or improve. And I, I never followed up what happened with that research. But having worked in facilities where children had brain damage from maybe prenatal exposures to drugs, did you witness that intervention could help people heal dramatically? I mean, there's a lot that goes into it that's not just physical, you know, the emotional too. Absolutely. And we know that from adults as well and with strokes. And one of the things like, for example, if you've had a brain injury, learn to play a musical instrument. And even at an older age, and that can help all sorts of 
of issues that you're dealing with or challenges or things you're trying to support in yourself neurologically. The brain is absolutely healing. In fact, every night when you go to sleep, it's detoxing and rejuvenating. It's absolutely. And also if you make a change now, you're not adding, in other words, if you just start now, then you're not going to have those exposures you would have had moving forward. So those other mothers who had their babies wrapped around them and tucked the cell phone into the baby wrapper (laughs) or baby wrap, any harm that may have been caused can be alleviated? Well, I did that. So (laughs) I, I actually would spend hours on the phone and thinking I was so smart, um, not only in the ergo, but I had used a sling a lot. And I would set the phone down in the sling so I could walk around the house. And I actually had, just like you have on, uh, earphones. But the phone was on the baby. I haven't looked at science on, on that specifically, but I would expect that, of course, our body is always healing. So I would like to hope that we can repair. And there's there's been research that's looked at antioxidants and to help repair changes that could happen from exposure. So there's no question that healthy eating and, you know, decreased air pollution and other ways that we we make environmental health changes can impact our overall load, right? Have you heard of the cumulative load? Can you explain that more? I've read that your lifetime exposure matters. Can you explain more why that matters? If you think about your body being exposed to many things, so you've got toxins in water. So we have a body burden of chemicals. Yeah, what is our body burden? And what what is our cumulative exposure to all these things? And that can be not just toxins in food, water, and air, but stress, emotional stress, which can cause biochemical changes in your body. And all of these things are part of our body's experience. And if it's constant, we don't know what it will be that, like the straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I knew it was this. Uh, I knew it was this that caused this. Well, there might be, have been other things in their life previous that got them to the point where that was just too much for the body to take. And then the immune system breaks down it just makes sense that it's the cumulative impact. And certainly research has looked into that as well. Mm -hmm. So if you can decrease some of that, Mm -hmm. and even if you change one thing in the system, that can have a big difference in your body's resilience to handle the things that come at you. Because, you know, people have experienced a lot of toxic things in their lives and not all of them get the same disease. Every, Every person is different. Yeah, But if your body can't repair mm-hmm. and have that time to just repair itself and every day is, is high level of exposure over time, you can't take it anymore, you know? Yeah. That's why I really try and get people to focus on their home and even zone in on just where they sleep so that sleep can be more restorative. And then hopefully from there organically they'll feel inspired to make more changes but i was really impacted years ago when a woman who was working at saferchemicals.org said that at that time there had never been more bipartisan support to strengthen laws on toxic chemicals in our consumer products 
which I know it's different now, but the biggest obstacle towards change was the apathy of the American public. Mm-hmm. And that really made so much sense to me. So I try and I guess it's a grassroots efforts to get people to just care about like their sleep area because maybe from there they'll gradually want to know how do the representatives of their areas vote on these laws. Government? Well, I do focus on policy. I focus on everything okay. <laughs> too. So we develop educational campaigns. We inform policymakers. Our scientists publish uh, in the peer-reviewed literature. You know, I try to educate parents and the public, and also uh, we need policy change because when my daughters, who are teenagers, go out and they're exposed to things all the time, their friends, not all the their friends' parents don't believe it because the government hasn't said it's a problem. So that's where we are. I mean, my daughter might be on the phone, on her corded phone, talking to someone on a cell phone. And then that actually upset me for a long time. I, I didn't know how to handle that. You know, I felt like I was participating in something. And then I realized I can only do what I can do at my home. You know, I give the information and some people choose to make changes and some people don't and some people come back later. Do you feel like people's response has changed? Is there more openness? I think so. Yeah. I really do. I think with 5G, when people, I mean, it's always been that when there was a cell tower proposed at a school, there would be a large amount of parents coming together and they are outraged that anyone should think of doing this and they care about the radiation exposure to their kids. So that's always been happening. Now that with 5G, what that is meaning, and uh, FCC commissioner said there will be 800,000 more antenna installations in the United States, meaning in neighborhoods, in front of homes, people are starting to go, you know, you wake up one morning and there's a, a new pole with an antenna in front of your home. And for, like right down the street from us, we have about 30 installations and all of these people are like yeah no 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 we know that's we don't want that and so people are starting to look into it and understanding that government limits are outdated and how this issue has not been handled thoughtfully by our government and how uh, you know the telecommunications industry is so involved in the science and not everyone comes down saying i know it's harmful but they do come, many people come down as saying, you know, if you got people saying this way and that way, like, well, let's just err on the side of caution. It's just so reasonable. So now people are opening up to it. I just came from a talk yesterday to a packed, I mean, a packed room in uh, Massachusetts. Dr. Ronald Melnick was there. Uh, Dr. Carpenter was there. Dr. Herbert from Harvard, you may be familiar with. And hacked. It was uh, on wireless in schools. So people are ready to learn more. And And schools um, are being responsive? Not the public schools so much. There's some movement and there's PTAs who are starting to take action on this. There are certainly private schools around the country who are removing the wireless or at least turning it off when not in use, which is not completely protective, but it's a start. 
in other countries, you know, Cyprus has removed Wi-Fi from the elementary schools and France has it off as the default setting. And there's all kinds of things happening in other countries, entire districts that are not putting in wireless. So a lot's happening here. There's this push to bring in devices into our schools, even first graders with tablets, which is against everything I studied in school about how learning happens. But there's a lot of money, a lot of money moving hands and contracts. And I think that's muddying the water in terms of what is education. And we have several pages dedicated to this issue on ehtrust.org. We've been giving webinars to the San Francisco Teacher Union. And uh, there was a conference and I was on Skype with a whole room of teachers. So people are starting to get educated on this. Great. I know in New York, the New York uh, Teachers Union as well had a webinar with grassroots environmental education and Dr. Magda Havas. You can go online and watch that. I live in New York City. I know there's a 5G rollout and I'm wondering, the idea completely overwhelms and demoralizes me. And I'm wondering, how can I be notified if it's around me? Do I have any rights? You know, I think this is what we parents need to advocate for because we do have rights and we should be informed when there's a transmitter that's going to be placed. People from New York have sent me their pictures, their their window and the small cell right outside their window. And how did this happen? So I think that that we should be informed. And that's one one way to begin to open this issue up is just that we should know because we don't even know. We don't even know that there's antennas in our phone. We don't know that the phone says it shouldn't even be touching your body. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that this street light, until you start to know what they look like, these antennas mounted on them. And then there's more antennas that get mounted. I think we, we should be informed. Depends on your locale. I don't know where you are, but as to what the rules are. So it varies by like municipality or state? I think it varies depending by municipality, there's state law, there's district law. Like right now where I am, I would need to be informed if there were going to be a certain structures up. But there's some states that have passed streamlining laws where public being informed, public, any public process is pulled out. You want to check, do you have a 5G or a small cell wireless facility law that basically strips your right to notice and process. A lot of people are sort of waking up to this and saying, wait, that was passed. Like in Florida, I talked to some folks there who said, this got passed, I didn't know. I didn't know that this law was passed and now they're just putting them up and I don't have a say. Because it used to be that if a big tower is going up, they have to go through this process and have community meetings and, And of course, the companies don't want to do that. They don't want to have to tell you because once they tell you, people say, oh, no, (laughs) put it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Do you believe in like EMF protection products? I know that's a broad term. Some definitely don't help. Do you think some can help? I do not speak about them. I really think that most of them are not helpful. For many of them, there are problems with the claims. And I'm not speaking about all of them or any particular product. So, for example, if you want to block radiation going onto your lap, 
the problem is that you're not blocking your chest or your head. And that's the problem with blockers. There's blockers for your phone, but there's been some testing I've seen that shows two problems. One, maybe you have a kid and they want to have a cell phone and you've decided, I can't not give them a cell phone. I'm going to give them a cell phone, but I'm going to buy this special cover for it. But the kid doesn't realize, and you can't expect them to, that the only the way those work is by reflecting back. And if they open it or put it in a position and then put it on their body and forget the way that it's supposed to be, they're then pushing it right into their body. That's a problem. It's complicated. I've, I've used some shielding that I have in the house that I lived in in order to stop the router from the other side of the wall. If you're going to do that, you need to have meters and have expertise to make sure that you're not reflecting something else. Right. So it can be useful to look into this, but uh, unfortunately, it's it, it gets complicated, and that's why we have to fix this at the policy side. We have to make it so that yeah. we don't have to be buying or looking into all these things that change all the time. You know, how do you know which one to get and how? So it's complicated. I mean, I'd like to think that there's a way to to fix it with a with a device, but I don't have that information. Yeah. <laughs> it is complicated. So, if you could ask listeners to do two or three things, what would you ask? I would start with your home and and started started thinking about like what do I have that's wireless in my home? I mean that's the first thing I sort of did was figure out first I had to know what it was and what's in my home and make changes that make sense and figure out what I'm gonna do now and how I'm going to fix those. But then is to let your voice be heard to your elected officials because ultimately we're in these situations where we really can cannot control a lot of things and we need for there to be changes meaningful lasting change just like happened with say well not completely with cigarettes but at least there are bans on on smoking in in public places and not no longer putting lead in paint we can make these changes Mm -hmm. it is possible it feels overwhelming but we can by letting them know that we are concerned about it and advocating for laws that are right to know laws, as well as addressing the all these cell towers, 5G. We have to get involved in in the political process. The the personal is political. That just came right to me with this issue. I really I never was too involved in politics before. I voted and I thought about things, but I but now I've realized how important it is to get engaged with people who are there to serve us. They represent us and they need to hear from us. And the third thing is talk to your friends and family about this issue. Never easy all the time, but you might find friends who are interested and some who aren't. And those who are interested, take time to come together and you know have a tea and watch a video and talk about it and how hard it is or what changes you make or how you figured out how to fix something and build that. Because like you said, 
learning about all of this, it takes time. And there's no time like the present. Yeah. I find a lot of parents are much more preoccupied with concerns about the technology addiction, uh, the social emotional effects. And I notice because I was I learned about this the radiation from technology when my ch- family was very young. My children don't really know any differently other than what they were born into and and just the limits I've set automatically helps compartmentalize or delay for longer the social emotional yeah. effects from technology. Well, they go it can go hand in hand. Yeah. These issues can be addressed together. We hear about the social emotional impact and the addiction to devices, but what we don't often hear about is also the radiation aspect. And they're all part of depression, increased suicide, the bullying, the non-communicating that's happening. They are all a part of how technology is being rolled out so fast. We, we never stopped and said, wait, what are the effects and how do we set social norms that are thoughtful. I mean, we, we just never did it. It rolled. I mean, I, I'm sure you did too. I saw it in front of my own eyes. You know, I remember when I got my first phone and now even babies are handed phones in the grocery store. How did that happen? Right. <laughs> just before my own eyes in the last, it's been like 15 years, 16, I guess two decades. It's like, now we have to go back and rethink this really we should think first before we take a next step just like we plan anything in our lives right we plan a vacation or what we're going to have for dinner we plan it i believe that parents don't feel like they're a part of the planning process we're just like thrown into it and everyone's doing it and it's hard to to not be a part of it as much i mean my kids were not you know, they don't have phones, so they weren't on all of this stuff that people are on at the younger ages. When when I got my first phone, never, this was when I was like, what, 28 or 30, actually, never would I have thought that a kid would be handed a phone. Like, it was just for adults to do, like, important business on what would a kid need a phone for. Now, it's like, well, if your kid doesn't have a phone, well, how could you do that to them? And I'm thinking, well, if there is a reason for my child to have a phone that makes sense to me, then that makes sense to me. But to be honest, I have no one has been able to come up with any reason why my child should have a phone because it's not going to make them safer. A lot of people think it's going to make your child safe. But how? It seems to me kids are getting in a lot of trouble on their phones. Uh, I do believe in kids having like a camera or some way they can take pictures and videos. Let's say my child's out and she, and actually sometimes my daughter says, well, mom, I, I can't go out without a phone. It's not safe. And I'm like, how am I going to help you when you're out there? What, what you think I'm going to come? You're going to text me and say there's a problem and I'm going to come and get you? You have to learn how to handle situations and you shouldn't go into any situation that you can't handle. It's important to have the conversation about in terms of children and their their development, for them to read nonverbal communication, the face-to-face mm-hmm. contact, to be to have experience with 
the discomfort of human interaction because mm. you don't get as much experience with that texting and emailing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that always stands out to me as something that children, it's, it, it helps make development more rich. Yes, absolutely. And you can see when you can see and, and talk to someone or even when people are having a, vo a proper voice call on a corded phone is so different than texting. How many problems how many problems are happening because of misinterpretations of texts or things happening over text when I was a when I worked in the schools with teenagers and and phones began to crop in into the life of my the therapy I was doing it was like this huge change the fights the the naked pictures the blackmail everything everything that could happen on a phone happened with kids I worked with and if parents had any idea it was it was devastating. Not to mention that the the empathy, the relationship, those times are so decreased now and we are more just typing in and they don't have that face to face contact. And research shows people are lonelier and our kids are lonelier. It's it's lonely. They need eye to eye contact. That is what we need more of is eye to eye contact and communication. Mm -hmm. And it breaks my heart, actually. It's really, I, I now, sometimes I go to schools and I went to college the other day and gave a talk and seeing all these kids talking to each other, but they were talking on their phones. So they would gather in a circle, you know, like hanging out, looking at eyes, but then, then they're on the phone half the time. They're like going down and up and down and up and then showing them each other things on the phone. And I thought, what? what is going on here? Is this how, and, and you know, maybe I've been out of it, but this is how our teens are communicating. And this is, this just, I think this is a, it's a train wreck. And um, I'm really concerned. Do you want me to talk about practical tips? Like That'd go over? Great. Yeah. Okay. But we have all of these cards with, tips on the back and they're all on our website with different different themes like this is about sperm damage and erectile dysfunction links to breast cancer and anyway more geared for teens not sleeping with your phone that's great with your phone how you can reduce exposure first is using a corded phone whenever possible i mean i want to start out by saying use a corded phone whenever possible especially for your long calls you have to make a long call at at, uh, at home but if you need to use a cell phone and you want to minimize your exposure, remember that distance is your friend. So you want to keep the phone as far away from your body as possible. So you can put it on a table over here and put it on speaker and keep your voice calls short if you can. Prefer texts rather than long phone calls. And again, save them for when you are at, uh, at a corded phone. Be mindful of how much uh, reception you have, because if you're in an area of low reception, like if you're in a basement, or sometimes people go into elevators where you have metal all around you, the phone is actually going to go to higher power. More is going to be absorbed in more intense rates are going to be absorbed into your body as well. And this was the hardest for me, the hardest thing, because again, it was a journey for me. 
not using the phone in the car. So as a mom, the car was the only place that I could make calls because you can't, you know, I'm at home, I got kids screaming, I'm doing diapers, all this. But what boy, as I learned about the phone in the car, you've got metal around you, the radiation is intensified. Also, as you're traveling through space, the phone is connecting with every new cell tower that you pass that's it's that's in the cell of, actually. So not using your phone in the car, turning it off, uh, be powering all the antennas off when you get in the car. One thing that's a really good way to, to sort of know how to handle things is like a mother with a child, a young child. The young child is always, you know, you go to a new space, the, the baby is like going away from you, coming close, going away, coming close. But always, you know where your baby is and your baby knows where you are in any room. Similarly, though I don't want to direct a, a compare a machine to people, but similarly, the phone always knows where the tower is and is always checking in with that tower with pulses. So even when you're not using the phone, you're not making a call, if the phone's on your body, it's still emitting radiation that's going through your body, checking in with the tower. Similarly, your devices like your laptop, tablets, uh, wireless speakers, they are also checking in with their base station, with the router. And if your router's in one room and hopefully far away from where you sleep and eat and, all, and, and live, if you have a wireless router, but you're in an area of weak reception all the way on the other side of the house, your devices are actually going to emit more radiation trying to connect to the router. But then when you're near the router, you're getting the router radiation more plus the device routers, plus the radiation from the device. So just know that because one tip is like, let's say you have to use Wi-Fi. You're in a situation, maybe you're in a hotel or maybe you have Wi-Fi right now and you can't change it right now. Turn the Wi-Fi antennas off your device when you're not using them. Let's say you're typing uh, emails and you can still use that program. Just click up, turn the antennas off. Uh, if you're looking at your pictures or organizing or writing in Word perfect uh, Word, do that with the antennas off. Keep it off. Always keep devices off your lap and on a table because devices emit not just wireless radiation, but also another kind of electromagnetic radiation and magnetic fields from the, the power. Connect to the internet with ethernet and wire connections uh, whenever possible. If you're gonna stream large files, do that in a corded, corded connection. Something that happens with my daughter, my teenagers that I'm seeing is the, all of this FaceTiming. And here we are actually communicating on video as well. Um, I'm, I'm on all corded up though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. But I see some people at the store and they're on FaceTime with their friends while they're doing things. Be aware that whenever you're moving video or pictures, those are larger, files, which means more radiation. So you want to do things that emit less radiations to reduce your exposure. Oh, I should point out, this is the um, New Jersey Educational Association recommendations on how to minimize risk from electronic devices and check out their recommendations. They deal not just with the, the radiation issue, but also eye health and posture. Um, and they talk about back pain, you know, kids are looking down like this. They're actually getting 
text neck, I think is the word. Um, When you're sitting on the floor, crisscross applesauce with a device, that is not good for your body. Uh, And occupational health wise, like worker safety, you actually need to have things on a table, proper format. But with our kids, our kids are using devices and they're all hunched over and they're in all these positions. Think about that and set up a healthy workspace for your for your child and for yourself. At night, I know you talk about this, but to have a sleep sanctuary where you have turned off the wireless, removed all those devices that could emit radiation out of the bedroom, uh, not having electrical cords running underneath your bed. If you, some people sleep with their phone. Don't sleep with your phone on. Have, first, try to get a battery alarm clock rather than using the phone. Um, If you need to use the phone, have it be uh, with all the antennas off, but make sure that you're turning the Wi-Fi off, the hotspot off, the Bluetooth, and still have it at a distance. And, and I say that because some phones, when you, even when you turn them on airplane mode now, have other antennas that are coming on and that you need to figure out with your device, but don't sleep with your phone. So if you use airplane mode, I before it used to automatically turn off Bluetooth also, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And then I started noticing, oh, sometimes Bluetooth is on. I yep. don't know if that was because of an upgrade in the software, but you're saying they're additional antennas besides Bluetooth and Wi-Fi? Well, we're finding that two things are happening. One is you can turn everything off and then some antennas are being woken up, but you don't even know about it, depending on the make and model of your phone. So maybe you turn it on airplane mode and you've turned everything off. Then you go to do something on your phone. It doesn't ask you, can I turn on the Wi-Fi antenna? It just does turn the Wi-Fi antenna on. Plus, there are some new phones, some of the newer phones that I can't speak to make and model, but the, the latest ones last year, where we found there were antennas that you couldn't even turn off. So you need to find out when you buy a phone to make sure that all those antennas can go off. And location, there's the location. Um, it's different, dep- depending. Oh, a good tip is if you're in the car, let's, you know, we all are using our phones. Well, I'm not, but a lot of people use phones for directions. Um, I actually have an old-fashioned GPS, and I type it in, and it doesn't radiate that I use. But you can, if you have a phone, get the directions and the maps up, and then turn the antennas off, and it can still navigate using the GPS, but it's not sending signals out or receiving anymore. You've turned it off. It's just telling you where to go. The GPS satellite it does depend on what you're using, but we found that, like with my GPS, you're not actually sending and receiving signals. It's only receiving from the satellite what's already there. You're not changing anything in the car. Okay. That's a great so, tip. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, I've learned a lot by using my phone less because I've sort of learned where things are. Yeah. I have to pre-plan People don't pre-plan anymore, but I pre-plan when I'm going to be where and talk to people in advance. I drove to, gosh, where'd I go? I went to Rhode Island and I didn't have a GPS and I actually didn't have a phone with me and I had maps and I got lost. And I talked to all these amazing people who I met from trying to figure out where I was going and I got a taste of the culture of where I was. It was an amazing experience. It was really interesting. I hadn't done that in a long time because I'd been so reliant on the technology. Yeah, I think when people 
are ready to pursue an alternative existence that's more old-fashioned and less dependent on technology, their lives can become so enriched with like the adventure you experienced, the people you spoke to, and you know, it just made you more available for other things that were really wonderful. Yeah, you're not interrupted all the time either. Like take breaks from your phone, um, you know, where you can, because it's always beeping and blinging and you know, take a break and, and just be and get bored. We need to get bored more and our kids need to get bored. That's when the best ideas come is when there's that space to just process and think. So I had one thing that is really, uh, I found so hard when I go to parents' house, they ask me to come over and I bring my meter. Video gaming consoles, they emit radiation and they emit even when you're not using them, some of them. So there's both the box and then there's the handhelds. You can hardwire the handhelds, but and I, I don't have one, so I, I need to learn more about this, but those boxes should be unplugged when they're not in use because they really are radiating all the time. And I think we have to ask, you know, although I think video game addiction is real and is an issue, if, you know, if kids are going to be using this for however long they want, we should be able to have it be not radiating them. And there's a way the companies can do it. We just need to ask them. Also, the music speakers, a lot of them are wireless. Yes, I've had to, I mean, I end up having to go online to buy a lot of things because when I go to the store, I can't get one that's not Bluetooth or wireless. So the speakers, even those, the boom, the things you put on the head that, you know, the, the noise, big, noise cancellation. Yeah. And then they also play with like they have Bluetooth to connect to your phone, those are emitting radiation. And the fitness accessories, right? Yeah, those radiate all the time. We've measured them constantly. So there is, I heard there's a brand you can turn on airplane mode. So now when you buy electronics, anything that has any wireless or Bluetooth, the question is one, can I get it without that? Two, can I turn it on airplane mode? so that I can choose when I want to turn it on. So with the Fitbit or those those fitness trackers, it doesn't need to be radiating all the time back to your phone. You can make a decision about when it uploads, but better yet, have it have a cord. Why not just when you take it off once a week or every day and you just plug it in and upload it? People might say that's inconvenient, but yes, yeah, like anything else, it's like, well, there are a lot of inconvenient truths. And when your kid gets sick, we know how that is, right? Everything changes. Everything you plan to do, you don't do. You might have had a wedding to go to, but you don't go because your child is sick and you're taking care of your child. And when a child is very sick, some people say, well, we have to weigh the benefits with the costs. Right. And let's think about those costs because we're not talking about a rash. We're talking about some serious, serious health issues. So. We didn't even talk about fertility or a healthy right. pregnancy outcome, but that's also, I know, actively being studied. Yeah. And I can't think of anyone right now who had a very smooth pregnancy and delivery. And so if you have a hard time getting pregnant or you miscarry, you, you would do anything to have a healthy child. And 
these are simple tips that help create a healthy lifestyle that you know, it's as important as sleeping well and eating, yeah. and ex- eating well and exercising. Yeah, it's, it's really as simple once you, and and once you sort of know it, we just, we need to know that. Do you know about the Baby Safe program, the yeah. Baby Safe project? And I know you interviewed Dr. Hugh Taylor yeah. as well, who um, at the press conference for the Baby Safe project, he shared his research on mice and there's, there's enough research that I think it's over 270 educators and doctors and experts have signed on to that campaign with with simple tips about reducing exposure to your, you know, when you're pregnant. Because, the you know, the especially later in the pregnancy, um, there's a very thin layer of skin that you have and the baby's um, skull and brain is so vulnerable and not formed and it's the most vulnerable time. So, Yeah. Has he found any research on how cell phone radiation affects fertility? Because when I spoke to him, he I think there wasn't yet strong science on it. Well, there there was a study that um, I was actually just looking at about miscarriage and cell phone use. Uh, there's certainly research out of Kaiser Permanente. Are you familiar with that research? They measured magnetic fields, which is uh, paired along with extremely low frequency fields, another kind of electromagnetic radiation, and found a higher, this was a replicated study, a higher miscarriage miscarriage rate, as well as his research showed increased asthma increase obesity. And I believe there's another study he presented at a conference. It hasn't been published yet on impacts to the thyroid. But those were two, a replicated study on miscarriage, looking at different frequencies. But the whole premise, the assumption that non-ionizing radiation cannot cause harm is what's busted by those studies, because these are very low levels. And effects were found. So the real issue is considering how much exposure there is, why isn't this the most important? Why isn't this top of the line what our government is researching and governments around the world? They're not. They're really not. And and sometimes when they are, there's all this industry involvement in this funky way that just this should be top priority in my opinion. I agree. We now all accept that cigarette smoke is harmful, but it took so long for us to accept that. And so we just collectively as a human race have a really hard time accepting that something so popular is not good for us. But I think the fact that more people than ever have health issues and they're starting at increasingly younger ages, that's getting more people to think outside the box and recognize, oh, my doctor doesn't know everything about health. And I'm wondering if there's anything in my environment that might have something to do with this. So I'm finding just through my work that because people's chronic symptoms they just want to feel better. They want to sleep better or they have someone they care about who has something more serious. And that's when it really resonates. 
Thank you so much for what you do. There's so many times I was just so grateful for the Environmental Health Trust and what it does. Thank you so much for, for spreading the word. And please, ehtrust.org is our website. Please go to our website. We have a YouTube where we upload scientific lectures and information for every level of what you're interested in and be you a policymaker or a parent. So just learn more and get involved. We have resources for parents working on Wi-Fi in school too. We're moving forward. And yeah. I want to know what you put on the earphone. Spirit bead. There's the word. It just okay. it popped my mind. It's called a ferret bead, F-E-R-R-I-T-E bead. And I've heard of it. it works. I would recommend using it even like, let's say you have a wired computer and you're using headset, use it for everything and put it away from you closer to the device, not to your head. And what it does is it blocks the, it's used by engineers to stop the electromagnetic interference, but our bodies are similar, right? I mean, yeah. the whole so, ferret bead. Okay. Just buy like a bunch of them off the internet. I just buy like a load of them and I'm always losing them because they're teeny. And then I'm just always clamping them everywhere. On on all the wires? All no, on the headsets. Because my husband uses a wired headset. I don't actually use a phone so much and I have an air tube one. Thanks for listening. Podcast show notes can be found at my website at nontoxicliving.tips. To more easily listen to other episodes, please subscribe to the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast. And if you'd like to support it, then please like it and share it. Until next time.